You've dreamed of building a family, but the journey hasn't been easy. I'm Dr. Laura Shaheen, a reproductive endocrinologist helping people build families every day. On our new podcast, Baby or Bust, we'll be learning from both reproductive experts and people who have faced challenges just like yours. Join us every week for Baby or Bust, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to follow us so you never miss an episode. Oh, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh blood upsets in the month of March. The 12-5 stunners, the 11-over-6 buzzer beaters. But most of the time, what do you get for that? A dash of I told you so at the water cooler? Oh, look at my bracket. I nailed that one. Great. Wouldn't you rather get paid instead? At mybookie.ag, you can and you will. The 12-5 upset when betting with mybookie is a take-your-girl-out-to-stake dinner winner winner and right now when you sign up for an account my bookie will match your deposit with a 50 percent bonus here just have 50 percent more why not use promo code zabe charlie zulu alpha bravo echo at mybookie.ag to activate we're all going to be in office pools and that's fine nobody's going to get the perfect bracket we know that but you can make a killing at tournament time by seeing the big mistake coming and pouncing so let's go, people. My bookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Use promo code ZABE to activate the offer. You play, you win, you get paid. Only at mybookie.ag. Today on the ZABEcast, I'm alive, but I'm marginally poorer thanks to an ice-cold stretch of betting tournament games at ZABE Vegas 2019. Full weekend recap. Was Purdue UVA the best tournament game ever? We'll talk replay, third base and blackjack, Sergio Garcia, and a whole lot more. All that and why if you don't protect your voice, you don't have your superpower. All that and more locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Oh, here we go. Monday, April 2nd, 2019. Welcome to the ZabeCast, and you are looking live at my hotel room at the MGM Grand Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada, where I am packing up furiously, getting ready to leave Las Vegas. Leaving Las Vegas, yes, indeed. It's, it's a little bit bittersweet, but I think most of the time, you're ready to leave Las Vegas. In fact, I think I might have been ready 12, 18 hours ago. Although I'm enjoying a nice leisurely morning, watching Sports Center, watching ESPN's College Game Day, uh, break down the Elite Eight games from yesterday, including, I think, and I'm going to have to do the work on this, I think it's the greatest NCAA tournament game ever. And that would be Virginia-Purdue. Now, I know I got a lot of grief for this uh, on Twitter when I said it. Error of recent recency bias. and Oh, my God, people think that Nothing began in sports before 1998 or something like that, or 2012, I think was the term. I believe the uh, the Kentucky-Duke uh, game was 92. I'm going to have to look that up to make sure. I'm going to do the work on it. I'm going to do a breakdown of that game versus this one. I know Kentucky-Duke was 103-102 or 102-101, something like that, and it had, of course, Leitner's famous shot the baseball pass, the catch, and the pivot. That was a great play to win it outright. The play that Virginia executed to tie the game 
it looked like it was a, you know, it looked obviously like just a lucky, oh my God. But there was, that play was by design. The missed free throw was by design. The tip out was by design. Uh, having to run all the way deep into the backcourt probably wasn't by design. But the guy got it, winged it up, bing, bang, boom, tie ball game. Dagger. The shot making in the second half was ridiculous. It was three ball after three ball after three ball. Kyle Guy got hot after a terrible first half, after a terrible couple of games, and Carson Edwards was unconscious. Carson Edwards, it's just like even the ones that don't look that spec, the ones that did not look that spectacular, there was one pull up three where he had to drive really hard down the right wing slam on the brakes, do an aggressive backwards jump stop behind the three-point line, rise up and get a contested three off his fingertips. That was nearly blocked. It was, you watch the replay and you go, man, look how hard he had worked just to get that thing off, and he drained it. Banked one in as well, which, let's be be honest, he did not call bank. Nobody heard bank. Had that heat check three where he just comes up and was like 40 feet away. Hey, watch this, Steph Curry. But it ended up being a gigantic point spread loser for me yet again. I had a miserable week betting on these games. I only cashed one ticket and by the time Sunday morning has come around. By the way, I do have today Auburn, and I've got uh, – Michigan State, two dogs. Why? Because my first instinct was, well, why wouldn't you bet Duke and Kentucky? Blue blood, blue blood. Do you really think that the forces in charge of the world are going to allow a Final Four that is relatively unattractive in terms of style of play and brand name recognition as Michigan State Auburn, Virginia, and Texas Tech. No offense to any of those programs, oh, by the way. No, of course they're not. They, they need the star power of Duke and Kentucky. Let's get them in. Coach K and Coach Cal, here we go. Short favorites, of course they're going to cover those short numbers. Cinderella slipper falls off at this very moment. Well, Michigan State's not a Cinderella, but certainly for Auburn. Auburn's really good, and they shoot a billion threes, and there's more on that in just a second, but still. So my first thought was bet Duke, Kentucky, like Johnny Square player. And I at the last minute, I mean, literally as I'm walking up to the window at MGM Grand to put two more bets down, which will likely lose, which will make me one for 12, I think, on the weekend. I'm going to have to add it up here. Nice prep work. Hey, shut up, all right? I'm doing this podcast in my hotel room right now. At the last minute, I faded myself. At the last minute, I said, okay, watch this. Boom, other way. Because that's how you get when you cannot pick a winner to save your life. So we'll see how it goes. This was one of those years. I have been very open and honest about how little college basketball I've watched during the year. I'm going to make better efforts next year to watch more starting in football season to carve out more time for a balanced sports diet and go from there. And maybe I'll know a little bit more. But, you know, even those who do watch a lot – of college basketball, they're not out here making a ton of money anyway because it is really close. Mr. X, 
his picks leading up, at least the Sweet 16 picks, he said seven dogs and Carolina. His picks went four and four. Four and four. And it's not like he didn't warn us because he said on Friday's Zabecast, he said, God, you know, this is really hard. These are really tight games. And I'm like, come on, man. You got to give me a lock. I did not bet a single 1K game. I'm glad I didn't. I did bet $600 on, uh, what was it, North Carolina? I don't know. The losses all blur together. That was my biggest bet. That was a loser. And so, yeah, it has been a bad weekend. Back to Purdue versus Virginia, though. So there I am watching the game with Gitter and Maddie, and we're at uh, Tom's Urban at New York, New York. Incredible food, by the way. Had a big TV right in front of our face, so it was a very good place to watch. And the whole time I'm saying, yeah, I've got I've got Purdue plus four and a half. I'm looking good. The, Purdue thought they had the game won when they got fouled with five seconds left, and they went to the line. And they thought, this is it. Bing, bing. We're good. Make them both. Four-point lead. The, the facial expressions, the, the just the overall mood. And at the time, I said, Boys, you got to hit these. Of course, the second one comes up short, and then things begin to unfold in spectacular fashion. And it was, I forget at what point I said, well, of course Purdue's not going to cover the four and a half. Even though after Virginia went up three and Purdue has the ball with uh, 2.6 to go, or no, no, 5.6, yeah. It was 5.6, you know, Purdue had the ball. I start doing the math. Okay, it's going to take two seconds to get to half court, most likely. It's going to take two more seconds in the air for the ball to hit the rim or go in, which would be great. It'll take at least one second for the ball bouncing off the rim into somebody's hands. Now we're at five seconds. All I got to worry about is six-tenths of a second. I think we're good. And it was at that point that Purdue said, uh, hold our beer. Because the play they drew up, which I understand the logic. Carson Edwards said they were going to foul me at half court to prevent me trying to take a long three. And that was the strategy that Matt Painter employed on the other end, which I agree with. I am a foul instead of letting a team take a three. But this is a lesson. Sometimes a perfect short free throw, tap out, secondary bucket for the hard way three does happen. It does happen. You got to remember that. So I'm sitting there going, I think we're good. I think we're golden. I've done the math. Two to here, two in the air, one off the rebound. Worst case, 0.6. We're good. We're good. And then, well, you saw it. Ball off the hands, turnover, just enough time with one point, whatever it was, to foul and have two free throws go in. Son of a bitch. And here's the funny thing. I was happy for Virginia. I was elated for Tony Bennett. I have a sister who went to Virginia. I feared even calling her on Monday if Virginia had lost. Mr. X went to Virginia. He's a guy. I live in Virginia. That's essentially the program of record in the state. Sorry, Virginia Tech fans. I wanted Virginia to win. And I didn't have a ton of money on the game. It was well, 100 bucks. It's, it's not nothing. But after losing all these other bets, what's another 100 right? You just peel them off like singles. So 
even though I was happy for Virginia, and even though the way Purdue failed to cover four and a half is now the stuff of legend, is comical, is ridiculous, is absurd. It's the kind of thing that'll be, of course, on Van Pelt's band, Bad Beats. And it may not even be the worst beat of all time. It felt bad. It, it's up there in the Pantheon, I think. Only Scott and Stanford Steve really know what constitutes super bad beats. It felt bad. What's weird is that the losing stung me. It it messed with my head. It affected my mood for a good 15, 20, 30, 40, maybe an hour. And this is just on a dumb bet that was not going to change my life. I immediately thought, imagine if you're a player. Imagine if you are Matt Painter. Imagine if you are the kid that missed the free throw for Purdue. Oh, my God. That is the kind of thing that will stick with you for a lifetime. That's the kind of devastation that is just hard to handle in sports. It's also why we love sports that much. It's why you play because the sweetness on the other side of it is so good, is so intoxicating, you you willingly put yourself out there to suffer in that sort of a manner. But yeah, uh, me losing, bullshit, backdoor, impossible cover, fucked me up mentally for an hour. I was pissed. I was humiliated. I was bargaining with myself. I was like, why? Come on, man. But back to the game itself. I think with the three-point shooting, I think with the back-and-forth nature of it, I think with that play to tie it, I think with all the other elements, I think it's up there for the best game ever. You know, I know that at some point, Duke-Kentucky, which is regarded as the greatest college basketball tournament game of all time, or at least up there, will get surpassed by someone or something. Certainly Duke-Kentucky, more blue-blood pedigree uh, in that game. Maybe more NBA players, probably more NBA players in that game, if that matters to you. Yes, it was higher scoring. Yes, it was, well, I think it was also Elite Eight, so we're, that's similar. I'm going to go back and watch. People say, oh, the, the level of play back then was much better. Well, was it? Define better play. I bet, and this is what I need. Somebody sent me a link. Somebody, could you please send me a link? excuse me, of that entire game on YouTube. Somewhere I can watch the entire Kentucky-Duke regional final game. And then I'll, I'll do a little book club. I'll, I'll, I'll write down in the two columns. you know. And I do think the bad beat element, because we are living in a gambling age in sports, I think absolutely the bad beat is a tick mark in favor of this game being greater than duke versus Kentucky. You can argue with me with that if you all you like, but I believe that every little circumstance, including controversy, including fights and any little spice, the spice that goes into making a game great and memorable has to count when you're evaluating is this one actually better than one that happened years ago. All right, back home, I had to insert this into the Zabecast today. I went 2-0, yes! Finally, 2-0 on a day 
betting basketball. Hallelujah. As I like to say, I didn't go three and nine on my bets out there at the Sweet 16. No, no, I, I just ran out of games. That's all. I finally turned the corner. I finally figured it out. How did I decide to bet Michigan State and Auburn? It was simple. I was walking to the sports book at the MGM Grand to place a couple of bets on my way out of town, which I normally don't do, believe it or not. Usually, by the time I'm done in Vegas, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I don't, I don't need to bet anymore. I don't want to go through the hassle of mailing the tickets in. So I usually don't bet if I'm not going to be there to cash in the tickets. Well, I did anyway. I said, fuck it. I, I have been so ice cold. I need to just keep shooting and just see how these two games go. So I'm walking to the sports book, and I'm literally thinking, Duke and Carolina, Duke and Carolina. Duke, or excuse me, Duke and Kentucky, Duke and Kentucky, Duke and Kentucky. And literally at the last minute, I switch. It was a beautiful thing. So I'm watching the Auburn-Kentucky game uh, in a variety of ways. I watched the first 10 minutes in my hotel room. I watched the next off and on, I forget how much time, in the cab, on my phone, in the airport, at the bar, on the plane, waiting to take off or waiting to push back. And by the time we were ready to push back, it was overtime already. And this uh, particular 737 on, on United had the direct TV televisions in every seat. And they gave you direct TV for free. Once upon a time, they made you pay for that direct TV with your credit card because they had a credit card slot next to the, you know, the TV. And I remembered, oh, yeah, they used to make you pay for this. JetBlue used to give it, uh, I, they were the first ones to give it to you for free, as I recall. Nowadays, many of the airplanes just say, here, download our app, log on to our Wi-Fi, watch on your device. Saves a lot of trouble with, you know, putting a TV in every seat, which can go wrong and can, you know, adds weight to the plane and wiring. Makes a lot more sense. So this one, this plane had the, the TVs in there and they were giving us the game for free. And I was like, yes. So I'm sitting there. It's a three-point game. I believe P.J. Washington just hit a three to cut it to three. I'm sitting on Auburn plus the two, two and a half, whatever the number was. Might have been more. They're going to win outright, hopefully. They're ahead by three. And then they cut off the the, the television for the pre-flight safety video. Once upon a time, airlines would have the stewardesses and stewards give you the in-person demonstration with the microphone and attach the buckle firmly and snugly in case of a water landing. No smoking here. Lavatories there. Exit lights uh, assist in the case of an emergency. Blah, blah, blah. They're done in 40 seconds. That's how it used to be. Now, United has a high production value, high concept recorded safety instruction video that took, I kid you not, five minutes and 26 seconds. And of course, I'm just dying. Like, I I can't watch the game. I tried to get my app to work. Excuse me. I tried to get my app to work on my phone. That wasn't working. Finally, they're done with all that rigmarole. A couple other ads come on and they flip it back to television 
And at that point, Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Tigers were cutting down the nets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I was very happy for that. And so Auburn makes their first Final Four in school history. And as Bruce Pearl said after the game, look, we're like the Cinderella story in this tournament, although I'd say Texas Tech is. He said, look, at Auburn, we're good at everything. We win championships in everything. It's just men's basketball that hasn't been very good as of late or maybe since Charles Barkley was there. Trying to think of the last relevant Auburn basketball team not involving Charles Barkley. Who else went to Auburn? What what other decent Auburn team? Players from Auburn scratching my bald head, scratching my bald head. I can't remember. Anyhow, they did it, Auburn did, without Chuma Okiki, who came to the arena when he thought he was in too much pain to be there. He did not fly home for immediate surgery on his blown-out knee. That'll happen on Tuesday. They're not sure if he'll make it to Minneapolis for the Final Four. But he told teammates he was in so much pain he was going to watch the game from his hotel and then catch up with the team afterwards, win or lose. Well, at some point he said, fuck it. I don't care about the pain. I got to be there. I got to support the team. Got to support the team, as Putty said. And he showed up with like 16 minutes to go. Inspirational story. He looked in pain. He looked, I'm like, God, he looks like he's really sad that he's not playing and that he's hurt. No, I think he was just, he was in a ton of pain. Uh, Horace Spencer played in his place and shot the three at the end of regulation that didn't have a chance and really was not the last guy in the world you want shooting a three. He's made three threes all season long, but they didn't run a good set to get anyone a good look. The two guards, the two small guards for Auburn were awesome. Bryce Brown and point guard Jared Harper. And according to post-game stories, the one I read in The Athletic, they said the halftime message from Bruce Pearl was, we're going to give Bryce and Jared the ball and everybody else get the fuck out of the way. And boy, wasn't that the plan. The irony is they killed Kentucky with a type of shot, a two-pointer, that Bruce Pearl has said, this is not our game. We are a run and jack them up team, and we make no apologies for it. We want to be like the Golden State Warriors of college. So the small guards were great. Uh, Kentucky, talented, big, future NBA players, but they played like Kentucky does a lot of times in tight games. When it, you got to have a good possession. You got to have a good, got to run a good play to get a good look from somebody you want. They just have a hard time doing it. Coach Cal is now 0-4 in Elite 8 games that go to overtime if you care about stats like that. Quick point about ESPN highlights. So they led with the Michigan State game, which makes sense. Michigan State-Duke, and they had a pretty meaty highlight package. The Auburn-Kentucky game, the announcer, Zubin Mahenti, I believe, says another instant classic in this one, and they then showed... Four highlights. Let's go to Auburn, Kentucky, another instant classic, and we start with 16 seconds to go. Wait, what? They showed four highlights. They showed the Macklemore steal and layup. They showed the block at the end regulation by him. And they showed a missed three, I think, as well. And then, like, Bruce Pearl cut another nets. That's it. Four. Four highlights. Hey, ESPN, I just got off a flight. 
I didn't see all the game because I was traveling from my hotel to the airport, and then that stupid fucking instructional video wiped out the last several minutes of the game. Could you give me a meaty highlight package? I thought you were going to get back to doing that. Now, it's possible that because CBS, Turner, TNT, True, and all that, they own the rights, that there is a limit on the number of highlights or the limit on the number of total minutes of footage they can use because they don't own the rights to this. That's quite possible. I just wish they would disclose that. I wish they would say quickly, we can only show you four highlights because of rights restrictions. At least then we know. You watch ESPN, the so-called worldwide leader in sports, and you see them run four fucking highlights from one of the two Elite Eight games of the day, including a game that your own anchor just described as a, quote, instant classic. I think that was an overstatement, but still, makes no sense. Also, ESPN had this graphic from their research department. It And I had to read, I had to pause it and read it four or five times to figure out what are you, so what? Their stats said, the Final Four will feature multiple teams making their first Final Four appearance for the second time in three seasons. How, huh? Yeah, the Final Four will feature multiple teams, meaning two or more, making their first ever appearance in the Final Four. And this will be the second time in three seasons that that has happened. Hey, how about that? <laughs> so what? Then in the afternoon game, which I watched all of, thank you, DirecTV on United Airlines, even though even though it was not crystal clear high definition, the live sporting events that they deliver, they clearly deliver in standard definition, and then they stretch them out because I can see the warping on the edges of the picture. And even worse was that it wasn't a 16 by 9 aspect ratio of a true high def. It was actually a letterboxed, almost a 2.35 to 1 anamorphic, anamorphic, whatever the long, really wide aspect ratio is for certain big movies. But I'm just just complaining to complain because that's what I do. Anyway, I watched the whole game. Uh, big respect for Tom Izzo. I Look, I said I, I don't like him. Can't stand him. Jerk. Big respect, though. And he was like something like, what, 1-11? 1-12 in in against K and Duke in the tournament? <laughs> Talk about slaying your El Guapo. This was probably not, in fact, not even probably, this was clearly not his most talented team in terms of personnel. And... Uh, they had a guy in Kenny Goins who hit the big three, who was a walk-on, a walk-on to start his career. Pretty incredible. They outran Duke in terms of uh, fast break points. Uh, They out uh, fast break pointed them 20 to four. And they also ran better half court sets. They got actually got post points on easy inside shots. They even missed a couple of bunnies. Did Michigan state, They were just more cohesive. Zion was great. Again, I love watching this guy play. He is so explosive, so quick. He has guard-like ball handling and ball awareness and dribbling skills and spin moves and everything else. And he's just big and thick and nasty. And I don't know where he's going to be exactly on the floor 
at the pro level, but I know he's going to take to the pro game like fish to fucking water. It is not going to be a problem. And afterwards, they had a shot of him walking down the hallway, and he was bawling. And I love that. Not that I care about seeing young, grown-ass men cry. I just love that it matters that much. R.J. Barrett missed the free throw down two. Five seconds left. Uh, had to intentionally miss the second one. Still had another look at it. Didn't get a shot off. Uh, it just you know, comes down to it. Bad free throw shooting team and not enough three-point uh, shooting for Duke. Cassius Winston was incredible. 20 points, 10 assists, one turnover. One turnover. 20, 10 assists, one turnover. And I went 2-0. So there you go. 3-8. and eight. Three and no, three and nine. That's 12 games. Eight, uh, four, four, and four. Yeah, 12. Three and nine. Actually, three and eight because I didn't bet the Virginia Oregon game at Mr. X's request because that's his team, Virginia. I wish I'd bet it. I probably would have lost it, but it would have given me a more accurate record of betting on the games. Three wins, eight losses. And like I said, it's not that I was cold as ice, it's that I ran out of games. I finally got my mojo on Sunday. I just ran out of games, which means I can go heavy on the Final Four. Final Four is set. First game, 6-0-9 in the East on Saturday. Fifth seed Auburn against one seed Virginia. Virginia is a five and a half point favorite. I think a lot of people are going to like Auburn in this one. I'm going to lean right now, lean Virginia and lay the points full Analysis description later on this week. Texas Tech, Michigan State's your nightcap, 8.49 p.m. in the east, give or take, depending on how long the first game goes, depending on how many replays there are. Michigan State is a three-point favorite in that one, and I'm tempted to take Texas Tech plus the three. Reasons, analysis, and other supporting arguments to be determined. These are leans, people. These are leans. They are leans from a man... Who went three and nine? Oh, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh blood upsets in the month of March. The 12 5 stunners, the 11 over 6 buzzer beaters. But most of the time, what do you get for that? A dash of I told you so at the water cooler? Oh, look at my bracket. I nailed that one. Great. Wouldn't you rather get paid instead? At mybookie.ag, you can and you will. The 12-5 upset when betting with my bookie is a take-your-girl-out-to-steak-dinner winner-winner. And right now, when you sign up for an account, my bookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Here, just have 50% more. Why not? Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, at mybookie.ag to activate. We're all going to be in office pools, and that's fine. Nobody's going to get the perfect bracket. We know that. But you can make a killing at tournament time by seeing the big mistake coming and pouncing. So let's go, people. My bookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Use promo code ZABE to activate the offer. You play, you win, you get paid. Only at mybookie.ag. As you go to Vegas over the years, you learn little things, you pick up little things. You start to go, ah, okay, you know what? Next time, make sure to do this or make sure not to do that. I learned this trip, protect your voice and manage your energy and your sleep levels 
Because if you don't have your voice, which I did not on, what was it, Friday night, Saturday night? Actually, it was Friday night. I didn't have my voice because the night before, I was pretty, you know, I was yelling and I was shouting at guys and gals to come take their turn at Papa Shot. That probably blew out my upper register the most, saying, come on, get over here, it's your turn to shoot. Really should have brought my megaphone. Very handy in these situations. So I didn't have my voice, and I didn't sleep enough during the day. I didn't nap enough on Friday afternoon after playing golf in the morning at 7 o'clock. Now, you might say, well, okay, Zabe, just stop playing golf on this trip, you idiot. But I like golf. I like being out there at Bally High in the morning. It's great. We got around in four hours. We blasted around in four hours, and... Me and my guys said, okay, let's let's get out of here. Let's not wait for the last group to finish like we typically do. And we were, we literally had in and out burger in our mouth before the final group put in the flag on 18. I was like, yes. So we get back to the hotel, and I should have shut it down hard and shut it down quick and got maximum sleep. I didn't. I got about an hour, if that. I kind of woke up, somebody texted me, then I started watching TV, then I started surfing the internet. Next thing you know, I'm like, hey, you know what, An hour of sleep, of extra sleep is fine from the four hours last night, I'll be good. Well, by about midnight, 11 p.m., downtown, I was not good. My voice was shot, and my energy was very low, but I was powering through it until about three in the morning with Gitter and Maddie Morris and a couple of the guys, Scotty Shirey, his wife Tina, and their friends. So we're at the D. And here's the lesson about your voice, at least for me at least. You know, when I lose my high register, my high register like this, it's hard for me to cut through the noise of a casino to have a conversation because everything is loud in Vegas, obviously. So I, uh, I lost my upper register and I was not very energetic. And what frustrated me was I was playing craps and we were we were we were hitting some numbers it was going well it was winning money and I was at this table down at the D with a bunch of guys who had I'm pretty sure they had to be mechanics or support guys for the A10 squadron out of uh Kansas City yeah I think it at the back of their shirts said the famous flying tigers on the front, it had A-10 with a picture of the Thunderbolt, badass airplane. And they had name tags on, like Otto and Rerun and, you know, Moose. And they were there. They were just having fun. They had their, you know, hats on as well. It was, I forget what squadron, 35th Tactical Fighter Squadron, whatever. I really wanted to just have a conversation with the guy next to me. And talk about, you know, and nerd out about airplanes and about what do you guys do? And, oh, man, that's great. That's awesome, man. And I'd be asking them all these silly questions about the A-10. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it because I didn't have a voice at all. And it was going to trash it even more if I tried to. So I just kind of had to sit there kind of quietly, do some high fives and play some craps. That's no way to do Vegas. Protect your voice and keep your energy. Had I had more energy, it would have been different as well. So lesson learned for Vegas. Protect the voice at all costs. Without your voice, you have no superpower. And number two, get some damn sleep. However much you need. If you only need an hour a night, if you're Frank the Tank, you can power through on an hour, great. 
I need more than an hour. I need about five or so, or three plus two, or four plus one, something like that. You know me, I'm not good at math. We talked blackjack, obviously, leading up to this trip. I had my dad on, and I will uh, have him on again to get his thoughts on what I'm about to tell you right now. Two things. First of all, I played at the D. Oh, let me one more thing. I'm not advertising for these guys. Derek Stevens is the guy who owns the D. He's from Michigan. He has in the past made some like high-profile bets where like he bet a thousand dollars on every NCAA tournament game as part of a promotional stunt. Um, also, my friend Jason Coughlin of Wisconsin Golf Trips knows Derek Stevens. He has stayed with his group downtown at the D before. It's a fun casino. And there's a ton of places that you're like, oh, this place is better than that. The thing about the D that's great is the dealers are all very attractive, relatively young women. And by young, I mean, I mean, well, shoot, younger than me, obviously. But they're all women, and they're all in great shape, and they're all friendly, and they're all good-looking. And they all not only deal blackjack, but then they take a turn up on the go-go stages dancing after they're done or as part of their blackjack dealing rotation. And you watch, and these gals up there are dancing on those go-go platforms, and they look like they're having a great time doing it, and they never stop dancing. And then they get down and they deal blackjack, and they're friendly and they're fun. And I'm just thinking, man... How do they get, how does he get women who have that kind of energy and enthusiasm and positive spirit and can count accurately enough to deal blackjack? Because they're all good dealers as well. They, they're not like, uh, duh, how much is this? It's a way better environment if you're going to bet and possibly lose money. Who do you want to lose money to? A very good looking 28 year old who also is a dancer and she's hot. Uh, or do you want a dour uh, dealer who doesn't say a word and has a permafrown at some other casino? Also, the D does offer three to two blackjack, so that's good. Now, here's what happened. We're there sitting down. It was the group of us. And my man, Scotty Shiree from Houston, hashtag Houston Strong, who actually did not root very hard for University of Houston in their game against Kentucky for reasons I don't really know because he's usually hard down for all things Houston related. So his lovely wife, Tina, short for Martina, she is she wants to play blackjack. Okay, great. She insists on playing third base. I say, okay, fine, but just you got to know what you're doing down there. Oh, yeah, no, no, I got it. No problem. I want to be here. I want to be last. Okay, fine. Sure enough, she starts to kick ground balls, let them go through her legs at third base. And I'm like, okay, listen, because she's obviously hitting on the wrong hands against dealers fives, sixes, and fours. And so I said, Tina, if you're going to be down there, you got to listen to us, okay? Okay, okay, she says, I'll listen to you. So about 35 minutes goes by, and once again, she's got 14 or something like that. Dealer has six showing, and she ends. She says, hit. Now, we had just changed dealers. The old dealer knew that we had a a rickety third base player, so don't make any sharp moves until the group has advised her on how to play her hand. 
That was the old dealer. The new dealer didn't know that was the case. So when Tina said, ah, you know what? I want to hit. Put her finger down. Bang. And of course, it happened that she drew a face card that busted her. And the dealer drew a small card that they were, she was able, the dealer was able to assemble into a 1920-whatever winning hand. <laughs> a lot of people were not very happy about that. I was not very happy about it, but for only one reason. I don't believe there is anything, I don't believe there's, third base play does not matter in blackjack. Not unless you are an ace card counter and you know the deck is rich or poor or whatever the situation is, that you've got a good idea of the probability of the next card that is coming out. And even then, it doesn't matter because you don't have x-ray vision. What's under the dealer's six, which looks like a bad hand, could be a 10, which would be great for the table and would set up a very convenient bust situation. Or what's under that six could be a five or a four. You don't know unless you have x-ray vision. So it doesn't really matter to me. But after good old Tina did that the second time, I said, okay, let me call her up. You know what, guys? I'm going to go play some craps. Have fun. I'll be right over here. And I, I wasn't mad. I smiled. I was not yelling at her or anything. I just It was just too much work because the entire table is yelling, no, no. And she says, I want to hit, and puts her finger down and takes a hit. It was just going to be a little bit too much of, you know, okay, waiting for Tina. Is she going to listen to us? Is she not going to listen to us? What's she going to do? I was told, though, that she did follow instructions very nicely after that. But just for anyone listening out there, including you, Tina, or Scott, I had no malice in my heart. It was just a, I wanted to play craps anyway, and I was going to get a little bit impatient with having to coach up our third baseman. But otherwise, I don't believe that it matters. And I'm sure someone's going to send me a link or an article or a long email saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, it does matter, and here's why. And I will read it to a certain extent, but I don't believe in it. Let's talk replay. I know you guys love it when I do. It's the worst. It continues to be the absolute devil's spawn. And it still doesn't work. You saw the Texas Tech game against Gonzaga. You saw the play in which the guy for Texas Tech who made the block and then saved it was out of bounds by, oh, I don't know, three feet. His entire foot was out of bounds. And yet they didn't make the call. The referee was looking right at it, didn't make the call. And where was replay? Where was replay to go fix it? Surely that's a big play that helped swing the game in Texas Tech's favor, right? Isn't the point of having replay so we don't have a team make the Final Four or win a championship on a bad call? Well, where was it? I don't even know why it wasn't reviewed. I don't even know the mechanics of what is or is not or how you review certain things in college basketball. I just hate replay that much. I've taken no time to investigate and not to investigate. I've taken no time to sit down and say, okay, here are the rules. Here's what gets challenged when and everything else. Yeah, way to be a professional. Shut up. 
I, I literally don't. I don't care. I hate it that much. It is so... And yet, you people that still believe in replay, guys like Tim Murray, guys like Scott Lynn, I hate you guys. I hate you in a sports sense. I want a fucking divorce from you assholes, you fairies. Everything's got to be fair. We got to have replay because, you know, we can't have bad calls stand. I, From a sports standpoint, I mean, I love... From a human standpoint, I love Scotland. I love Tim Murray. Sports standpoint, I can't stand you. I want to divorce you. I want to live in a world without you and the way you think and the way you want these games to go. I want to live in a world over here with my people who realize games are imperfect. There are bad calls. You can't fix them all, so therefore, don't try to fix some. Yeah, that's it. That's my point. So you're saying don't try to fix it at all? Yes. Exactly what I'm saying. Because trying to fix some introduces just another random set of errors on top of an existing set of errors. And then it delays the game. It ruins the flow. And at the end of the day, they are just games. That's all there is. That's all it is. This is entertainment. This is for fun. Nobody gets... If people were being murdered or executed if they lost a game, I'd say, okay, we probably need replay because God forbid an innocent man dies because a bad call was made. This is just for fun. And to make things worse on the replay front, and don't say don't say to me, well, you know, that play, Zabe, was not a, no, it's not a failure of replay because they didn't review it. Hey, I saw in the Duke game against Virginia Tech, Zion Williamson deliver what clearly to me was a giant swinging elbow to the head of a Texas of a Virginia Tech defender which should have been a flagrant foul and they looked at it and they looked at it and we're watching while we're having dinner and we're watching and they come back and nothing no well, we didn't see anything you're telling me that's not a failure of replay right there get the fuck out of here so on the Texas Tech play you can say well that's not a failure of replay because they didn't review it. That's too narrow a definition of replay. Replay should be, we have the system in place to prevent egregious errors at the end of games from determining outcomes of games. Was there an egregious error that was allowed to stand? If the answer is yes, then replay has failed. Period. You have replay. You interrupt the flow of the games. You make people stand around and wait You give teams timeouts they don't have and don't deserve to set up plays while otherwise meaningless little things are being reviewed. Okay? That's the system in place. If if something happens that is an egregious error under the watch of replay, then guess what? Replay has failed. I'm more dug in on this than ever, and sadly, it's going the other direction. They're going to add more layers and more layers. And we saw in the NFL. Now with the NFL and, and you know pass interference in the final two minutes, including pass interference not called, congratulations, people. You're going to have some fun in store this fall. Every end of game, Hail Mary, we're going to go to the videotape on that and see who pushed who, who grabbed who. You'll have an easier time sorting out what your kids do in the backseat of your car on a long road trip. Mom, he touched me. Billy's over on my side of the car. He took my Game Boy. Ugh. Oh, well, let's see. There was a grab here and a push here. Was that really P.I.? Who knows? Richard Sherman apparently has said he hates it because it just lets 
it basically gives the outcome into the hands of somebody not at the stadium in a room in the office of league headquarters. (laughs) He's right. He's right. Why would we as fans ever want the outcome of these games to be put in the hands of somebody not at the stadium, not wearing a striped shirt? Why? These are just for fun. This is hell. This is literal hell. I hate you people that love replay. Fuck off. Die. Go away. Go watch your own shitty sports world with replay in it. I want me and my people to leave and reform our own sports without fucking replay. Okay. End of rant for now. All right, let me respond to some tweets or comment on some tweets here on the Zabecast. This, I think is making Twitter work for me. I am collecting, I'm aggregating, I'm being made aware of certain things in sports. And instead of me tweeting out my responses and giving that content, meaning my opinion and my thoughts, my interaction on Twitter for free, for no money, I will respond to them here on my own venue in my own forum. Darren Ravel tweets that the Niners have sold two spots in their war room For the upcoming draft, for $22,000, the money goes through the 49ers Charity Foundation. Well, well, well. Once again, this league finds further ways to squeeze more money out of hooplehead fans. They're like, ooh, I want to be in the war room. like to sit in the war room and mock the team. No, boo, don't take him. Terrible pick. You suck. If only I could have bid to be in the war room. When Vinny Serrato was the general manager of the Redskins? Hell, I'd do it now for Bruce Allen. I'd say to Bruce, have another Coors Light, Bruce. That's a great pick, boss. Great pick, boss. Here, can I get you another beer? You guys are killing it. Super Bowl. Uh, Let's see. What else? What else? What else? What else? Uh, Oh, yeah, this. God bless Mike DeCourcy. He gets it. Somebody tweeted, or Dave Pash. Dave Pash, who I believe is the Big Ten Network. Men's college basketball. Who's calling me right now, damn it? I think they're trying to get me out of the room. Hold on a second. Hello? Okay. No one's there. That's good. Nobody answers hotel room phones anymore, do they? I don't think so. Uh, Dave Pash says, Men's college basketball needs to change the rule and advance the ball during timeouts in the last minute, i.e. the NBA rule, which is save a timeout to get the ball at half court. Uh, they do this in women's college basketball as well. DeCourcy responded, I'm a huge fan of yours, Dave, but this is a terrible take. There is zero competitive logic to support the advance the ball rule. No other sport would tolerate such an abomination to its internal logic. Amen, Mike DeCourcy. I agree. The NBA created this just as a way to engineer closer, more exciting finishes. And as I have said over the years, time and time again, the NBA is a highly engineered league. It's not fixed, but believe you me, they like to engineer close games. They like to engineer, if possible, larger markets in the NBA Finals. The big test is going to be this coming spring when the number one team in the NBA right now, the Milwaukee Bucks, untried, untested, though, in the playoffs – We'll see what kind of shake they get, and we'll be watching very closely from the NBA. Uh, Great Dick Bennett and Tony Bennett moment, hugging each other afterwards. There's great 
pictures of Tony Bennett cutting down the nets, putting his fist in the air, a smile that could light up an entire stadium. Beautiful stuff. Every time I see Tony Bennett, I think, God damn, he's handsome. The hell? Why does God give anyone that much good looks? Apparently a great guy as well. From everyone's uh, everyone's recollection, everyone's opinions, Tony Bennett is as very very much as good a person as he is good looking. Sergio Garcia and Matt Kuchar got into a to-do on the golf course over a non-conceded three-inch tap-in that Sergio backhanded and missed. Jay Rigdon on Twitter said, when the vagaries of match play force you to defend either Sergio or Matt Kuchar in a debate on etiquette. Kuchar stood his ground. He said, no, I didn't give him the putt. He missed it. I win the hole. Sergio, of course, threw a fit. Uh, Eamon Lynch, golf writer, said, Kuchar is not responsible for mitigating Garcia's infantile behavior. This is 100% on Sergio. I would tend to agree. I do think it's funny, though. You can say, well, Matt Kuchar, stiff, you know, tight with his money on tips to caddies or tight with his money on caddy fees and tight on concessions. That's one of the things about match play golf that I hope they don't try to, quote, fix It's very simple. You have to have your opponent give you a clear and audible and unmistakable that's good because otherwise it's not good. It's not hard to do. Some guys in match play will do the quick tap thinking, oh, he's giving me this, and it's a way of trying to shame your opponent into saying, yeah, yeah, that was good. Don't worry about it. So fuck Sergio Garcia. Seriously. This guy has completely fallen off my, fallen out of my hot tub. I don't know how he can fall out of a hot tub, but I used to be a big Sergio stan. Big time. I was very happy when he won the Masters. And since then, he's been nothing but a complete and petulant dick. Including most recently going crazy at an event uh, over on the European Tour in Dubai in which he damaged greens and was DQ'd from the tournament. That's pretty rare. And now there's this. Fuck him. Fuck Sergio. Bill Belichick is pushing for more time to work with players, and coaches are lining up behind him, says Pro Football Talk. I'm sure he is, and I'm sure they are, but the union negotiated for less time in front of coaches during the offseason. I don't think they're going to give that up very easily. Uh, Doug Gottlieb, Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Television, tweeted out that Purdue should have violated the lane on purpose repeatedly, knowing that Virginia wanted to miss to then try to get a two-pointer putback to tie the game. I then dug down into the responses to this strategic thought by Doug, who played at Oklahoma State, And some people said that doing so repeatedly after the second, third, fourth time can result in a technical foul against you as a team. Some have said they've seen it done in high school where a team intentionally does it to try to say, oh, yeah, you think you're going to miss, huh? No, we're going to keep on lane violating until you make it. I don't know what the official rule is. I don't know if it's Hard and fast or not, but that's a interesting thought. Alexander Ovechkin has surpassed 50 goals yet again, 50 and 51 the other night in a big win against the Lightning. 
God bless Ovi. A lot of people thought, maybe not a lot, some people thought it's quite possible Ovi goes straight into the tank this year, that he pretty much shuts it down at this stage of his career, having just won the Stanley Cup, having been drunk in public with the Cup and with his teammates for, oh, I don't know, three weeks straight it seemed in June of last year. This would have been the year, right, that Ovi could have said, eh, I've played enough hockey. I don't need to try hard anymore. Fuck that. He has had another phenomenal year, and now he joins an elite category of players with 50 or more goals in a season, eight or more times. The only other two, Mike Bossy of the New York Islanders and the great one, number number 99, Wayne Gretzky. Oh, this story pisses me off. Someone, uh, this is from the Tennessean.com. Nashville to cut down cherry trees to make way for NFL draft stage. Oh, fuck you, NFL. As a tree nerd and a lover of the delicate blossoming cherry trees, fuck off, Roger Goodell. Put the stage somewhere else. I don't care if they say, well, the NFL is going to pay to replace the trees, uh, mature trees, crane them in, dig them in. You won't notice they're gone. This is a temporary thing. No, don't kill a tree for the fucking draft. Hold it somewhere else. Man, that pisses me off. Uh, What's that, Zabe? You said the NFL would pay to replace the trees? (laughs) At no cost to the league. That's their mantra. You know they're not paying for shit. Uh, Scrolling. DeMarcus Cousins had someone direct racist language against him. Celtics have banned a fan for two years. That's terrible. That shouldn't be happening. But it seems like it might be something that, I don't know, is picking up steam. At least it seems that way. Uh, Bradley Beal didn't play the other night for the Wizards against the Jazz. His streak of 158 consecutive games will finally end. Beal had been hurt off and on for the better part of his early career. It was thought that he was going to be just labeled as a, you know, a perennially injured type player. And yet uh, here he is putting on the streak. He has played so many minutes this year and so well for an otherwise shitty Wizards team that lost John Wall you know, halfway through the season or not even that, that a lot of us said, why are we running Beal into the ground? So now finally with six games to go, uh, Bradley Beal took a game off. Okay. Yeah, good good management of his career right there. Speaking of shutting guys down, LeBron James is now done for the year. He will miss the playoffs for the first time in his NBA career. And it's safe to say that year one of the LeBron James in L.A. with the Lakers experiment has gone so utterly, terribly wrong will it get better next year I would say if I had to bet and you know me and my betting history the answer is no unless they can lure a real tier one free agent to come to play with them and that they gel quickly and that LeBron is healthy all next year and by tier one I'm talking Durant I'm talking Kawhi I'm talking Kyrie but there's going to be so much fluidity this summer in the NBA. I think I heard the number 43% of the league is going to be a free agent or a restricted free agent. It'll be fun. 
it'll be fun to listen to the rumors and wait for the Woj bombs and hear what um, Brian Windhorst has to say about who's going where, who's teaming up. But I don't think for LeBron next year is going to be any better per se. I think this is the beginning of the end of his illustrious career. Oh, yeah, one more thing about the uh, match play golf this weekend. A couple things, first of all. Uh, What is with Rory? Rory leads the world in fucked up wedges and nine irons from 390-yard bomb drives. It was just terrible to see him fall apart against Tiger. And uh, kudos to Tiger, the old man, for beating young Rory. I know Rory will probably try to play it off as, well, it's match play. Look at, you know, Beauregard, Beauregard, Beauregard. Uh, This guy nobody knows of, Lucas Beauregard, beat Tiger in the afternoon. So, hey, this is what happens in match play. Still, Rory shit the bed. Very disappointing. Good for Tiger. That said, a lot of people wanted to bet Beauregard against Tiger in the afternoon because they figured they'd get good odds on it, and who knows. A number of people went to the sports book here at MGM Grand. They didn't have it, which is disappointing to me, and some were excusing the book by saying, well, you know, it's a late matchup. They'd have to set odds on it, and, it, you know, you only have like an hour window between the early match and the late match. And I said, but they're a sports book. This is what they do. This is all they do. Of course they sh- of course, people are going to want to get action on Beauregard versus Tiger. Put it up there. Make a line. Set it. Boom. Anyway, this all tied, this all square thing now being called tied is the, it's the biggest farce ever. Tied. Many of us golfers for the first time saw this on TV and said, wait, what? What? Tied? So-and-so is tied in the match? Guess where it comes from? The USGA. In these rule changes that they implemented, the USGA changed the terminology in match play. They got rid of all square and replaced it with tied. Well, what's the difference? There is no difference. It's just a name change. They thought, well, we'll modernize the word. Okay, well, when are we going to take love in tennis and make it zero? Why don't we call goals and runs in hockey and baseball points? Because it's the same thing. Let's simplify it. Let's dumb down everything in sports because, oh, I don't know, some bureaucrats are in charge. Asinine. The injured list in baseball instead of the disabled list, presumably because disabled people were, or some organization, I guess, complained? I'm not even sure any organization of any group of people who are considered disabled, whether it's physically or mentally, actually complained to Major League Baseball. I don't know that. I don't remember that. It may just be that baseball got woke and said, yeah, we should probably change it. Fuck that. It doesn't matter. We have got to get over ourselves in society on these little words and this constant, oh, no, that might hurt somebody's feelings. There's no bad intent for saying somebody's disabled. Hell, back when they invented the disabled list, I can guarantee you Babe Ruth was fucking disabled. He was disabled because he fell off a train car, stone drunk, running away from two hookers and really fucked up his leg. He was definitely disabled for a while there. That's why they used it. Otherwise, stop changing all these terms. 
fact, I'm going to use All Square for the rest of my life. I will make sure to find a USGA official, and I'll go right to his face and say, All Square. Hey, how you doing today? Do you have any? Uh, do you need any sodas for your golf cart? No, I'm All Square. In fact, I might have a little running gag with my golf buddies during a round. Who can say All Square? Who can use All Square legitimately, appropriately, the most times during a four-and-a-half-hour round of golf? Yep, I'm All Square. Tied. We're tied now. Ridiculous. All right, let me end on some thank yous. Thank you, most importantly, to the MGM Grand and Level Up, the gaming area, for hosting us. It really was the perfect venue for Zabe Vegas. Thank you to Nate Gray uh, in the marketing department for MGM Properties for helping set this up and dealing with all my little emails throughout the year. You know, he's got a million things going, and I'm emailing him details five months in advance. Because what else I got? What else do I have to work on? What else am I looking forward to during the dead of winter but Zay Vegas? So thanks to Nate and their staff for uh, really coming through. Thanks to Chris Broussard of Enlutions.com, my marketing director, podcast guru, and jack of all trades. He came out here, and he was Johnny on the spot, did everything I asked. He helped set up the stage. He ran the Papa Shot tournament. He was good company, and uh, I can't thank him enough for all those efforts. Thanks to Mr. X and Charch for coming out to be part of the experience and part of the show. I got to shoot craps with Mr. X. That was on my list of things to do. Check. Uh, we both won money, which was nice. And I got to drink bourbon with, with Charge uh, at the MGM Grand at Whiskey Down. Check. Off my list. Both guys were great on stage and helped make the show go, oh, that much smoother. And all the fans, all you guys who came out, listeners, really enjoyed meeting them and talking to them. And of course, most importantly, thank you to everyone who came out, who took a leap of faith, who paid me the $64 for a t-shirt, a coin, a pop shot contest, a trip to the Vegas sign for a picture, and of course, a night at Hakkasan, where, yes, Little John turned down for what was the feature DJ, and yes, yours truly, El Baldo, left early. I ghosted about a half an hour prior to him coming on. At 1 a.m. I know, I suck. Look, I wanted to not feel terrible on the golf course the next morning. I needed my five hours of sleep, give or take. I didn't know he was coming on at 1. They didn't really say, okay, everybody, uh, little John's coming on here in uh, just a few minutes. He had to wait. It could have been 145. could have been 215. I had no idea. I left. But thank you to all the listeners who came and had a great time, became like a family, uh, shared stories with me of how they listened and how long they've been listening. Uh, thank you to Farmer Doug from Montana, who filled in for golf, a late scratch we had. Uh, he filled in both days. It was a great addition. Uh, Dan Sellers was another late addition. Thank you, Dano. Dan had two sons he brought with him on this trip, two sons who grew up listening to me 20 years ago in the car. And both sons jumped in and helped out getting the stage set up and getting the uh, shirts folded without any question. He just deputized his kids. He said, here, go help out. Great parenting, great family. Uh, thank you as well to my man Dan Purcell, who filled in uh, also for golf, had a car, drove me around, drove me back to Guitar Center to return the speaker I, quote, didn't use for a refund so I wouldn't have to ship it back home. 
uh, drove me out to golf on Saturday. We had a great time. He's just great company, easy going, gets all my jokes, knows everything. Fun guy. Everyone was a fun guy. Everyone was a fun gal. Thanks to the uh, to the to the Purdue gals, Kendra Packard and Carol Wolf. They were pure energy, and they were good eye candy, spirited, married. Uh, I don't want to say middle aged. It sounds insulting. They didn't act their age, I'll tell you that much, though. They both said their middle names are Tito's and Soda. (laughs) And as big Purdue fans, they were riding the roller coaster. And, of course, Mr. X made them part of his entourage. It was almost like he was uh, Colonel Tom Parker, and those were his showgirls everywhere he went. It's pretty funny. So thank you to everyone who came out. Successful Zabe Vegas. Let's hope we can do it again in 2020. I say let's hope. I want to do it. I plan to do it. But as the line in Deadwood goes, if you want to hear God laugh, just go ahead and announce your plans. Thanks for listening, everybody. On to the work week. On to April. On to the Final Four. On to the Masters. Baseball has begun. The NBA and the NHL playoffs are about to begin. The weather is eventually going to turn. We are heading towards a glorious stretch of two and a half months of sports and life. And thank you for sharing it with me here on the Zabecast. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Oh, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh blood upsets in the month of March. The 12-5 stunners, the 11-over-6 buzzer beaters. But most of the time, what do you get for that? A dash of I told you so at the water cooler? Oh, look at my bracket. I nailed that one. Great. Wouldn't you rather get paid instead? At mybookie.ag, you can and you will. The 12-5 upset when betting with mybookie is a take-your-girl-out-to-steak-dinner-winner-winner. And right now, when you sign up for an account, MyBookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Here, just have 50% more. Why not? Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, at MyBookie.ag to activate. We're all going to be in office pools, and that's fine. Nobody's going to get the perfect bracket. We know that. But you can make a killing at tournament time by seeing the big mistake coming and pouncing. So let's go, people. My bookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Use promo code ZABE to activate the offer. You play, you win, you get paid. Only at mybookie.ag.